0: Hello everyone and welcome to Digital Roadmap, an old school gaming podcast where we look at how the games of the past brought us the games that we love today. I'm your host Grant, and in this episode we're discussing Jazz Jackrabbit from Epic Mega Games. This game was released back in 1994 as a shareware title. If you want to know more about shareware, go back to the previous episode where we take a look at really what shareware is. Now the controls for this game really are just the keyboard. It's very much an early PC platformer. So you use your arrow keys to move or to look or duck. So if you hold up, it'll look up. If you hold down, the screen kind of moves down a little bit. Left and right moves you. Guess what? Left and right. Now, because the shooting button is the button you're going to use the most in this, you're going to use the space bar to shoot. Alt will let you jump and control will cycle your weapons around for you. And then if it's going a little bit too fast for you, they knew this might be a faster game than people are used to. You can actually slow time in half by pushing T. Now, at the time, this did support the Gravis gamepad when it first came out, and there weren't a lot of options for gamepads at the time, and you kind of had to program specifically for them. And it also had joystick control, which were obviously much more common with all the flight simulators at the time, and just people being used to using a joystick to move around, especially because it kind of coincided with the Ataris and televisions and everything like that. Now, as for the gameplay, this game is actually broken up into a total of six episodes for the whole game. The demo, the shareware version, gave you one episode to play through, so you got a six of the game for free, and then you could pay for the rest of it. And as I said, it is a platformer with shooting. The Think of Sonic with a big gun or a much faster version of Earthworm Jim. Now, there's not always a clear path through the level. It's not as straightforward as a lot of those games were over the years, which made it a little bit more creative, made it a little bit more interesting, definitely got your attention. And ultimately, you're just trying to get to the end. You often start at the left side and go to the right, but there's some variations where you go from top to bottom, bottom to top. It did include the verticality of it. It did look at it as a platformer and go, well, why do you have to jump to just one platform? Let's have a bunch of them going all the way up. Now, along the way, there are going to be obstacles that you have to shoot at or just time to go through so that you don't get hurt. And there's also enemies to deal with, all of them being turtles in some form or some flying enemies as well, such as bees or eyes that can shoot at you or something like that. Weird things as you get further along. But all the ground enemies are just turtles. As you go along, you're actually going to get a variety of weapons as well that you can fight with. You have your basic blaster, which gives you infinite ammo. All the rest of them have a limited amount of ammo. You have to keep picking up more either little ammo packets or weapon items for it as well. And the different weapons shoot in very different ways and do much more damage. Scales as you go along. It's very much typical shooter that way. Epic Mega Games and all them were very notorious for their shooter-type games. So it was very much a formula that they go along with, just like it is nowadays. It is very fast moving, and one thing I will say about the jumping is it feels a little bit floaty, it feels a little bit difficult to control at times, trying to get that precise landing. It's not like you go up and come straight down, you kind of float along as you go. So much so that in the second game, they actually have a character who can flap his ears to keep you moving, or spin his ears to keep you moving, very much like Tails in the Sonic games. Now, the mechanics for this, as I said, you always have infinite ammo for your base weapon, so that you can always fight back to some degree. As you progress, the enemies and the obstacles do get stronger, they need more shots of your base weapon, or you need higher grade weapons to do more damage to kind of hurt them properly, and as you play, instead of just, oh, I got hit, I'm dead, especially with how fast this is going, or, oops, I got hit, I lost my defense, such as, again, I'm using Sonic a lot in this because it, it is very much in that vein, but instead of losing your rings that you would in Sonic, you have a health bar, so you can actually take a very... Decent number of hits, and you can replenish it with carrots as you go along to get extra health back. Now, the game itself does have the basic hit item where you can get hit again if you grab it. Just a bit of an extra bonus there, so you get a free hit, but without losing any health in the process. Now, the graphics for this do still hold up today. I think because of the very cartoony look, I've, I've said it before and I've said it again. Anytime you go for a stylized look in a game, be it cartoony or be it with a shooter game, like a first person shooter where you have more cartoony looking graphics, it's going to hold up better. Now, the background and foreground textures are still pretty basic style. They're very straightforward. It kind of looks like the foreground was carved out of a tool set, but it works very well. Like, what I mean by that is you would take a basic screen, you would slap down your background texture, and you would carve out sections. You would almost paint sections on with a big brush. There's your foreground. That's how you build your level textures. Now, the characters and the animations have such a great cartoon feel to them. Like, it really does look happily inspired by your Saturday morning characters I could see Jazz being a Saturday morning cartoon character that may be biased because he does look like the more action-oriented cousin of Captain Bucky O'Hare, and if you don't know what that is, I will put a reference in the show notes. It was a great Saturday morning cartoon show. And again, it's not that surprising. This is a game very much in the same vein as Sonic, and Sonic himself has been a famous morning cartoon character for a while. We'll see if that's destroyed with the new movie coming out. And graphically, the weapons, the power-ups, the pickups that ju- they they jump out of the scenery they really pop they really stand out you can see that there's something there and you can grab it quickly all of that makes for a really great visual aspect to it and one other thing i want to mention about the graphics is they do have hidden pathways and hidden tunnels throughout the different levels and it's really neat to see that cuz you don't know until you jump at that wall that there's a hidden path there and all that's done just because you have that foreground texture there but it allows you to move so it's almost like a masking agent that they have there which is done really well now, the story of this game, I'm going to go through it. It is very straightforward. The Turtle Empire has taken over a bunch of planets, including yours, and they have kidnapped a rabbit princess. So your mission is to rescue her and free all the planets that are captured. There, how's that for your excuse to play? It's, I mean, it's, it's a very straightforward, it's a very classic story. It's the cliche damsel in distress trope, but it does the trick. It's just, okay, you need a plot to play? Fine, here's a plot. Now, the soundtrack for this game is done by Robert Allen, and it nails the feel of the game. It is a perfect fit. It has just that very light, cartoony action vibe to it. So it's got that action rock sound to it, but it's done with more of a cartoony bounce, I guess, if I had to put a right phrase. And I would put the quality of the music on par with the best of the 16-bit Sonic music, or, and this is really putting it up there, The soundtrack to the original Donkey Kong Country. Like, I'm putting this right up there alongside Grant Kirkhope's type of music, and that's saying something. Giving to charity is a good thing. Giving to charity and getting a game in return is an even better thing. With the Humble Store, you can do just that. When you buy from the Humble Store, a portion of every purchase goes to charity. It doesn't matter if you buy a single game, one of their game or book bundles, or their monthly bundle deal. Every purchase helps out a great cause. Humble includes a wonderful collection of new releases, indie darlings, and even the time-tested classics. Games like Orwell, where you serve as a member of a government surveillance program, deciding the information to pass up the chain of command. Do you ignore the context and make someone look like just an unhinged killer? Or do you ignore your instincts, even at the risk to public safety, just to make sure you don't give the wrong details? One of the classics that I love and I keep going back to is Fallout, the original. It's a post-apocalyptic game that launched the whole series. Can you find the water chip needed to save your people before time runs out? And I don't even want to get into the rest of the story after that happens. After you win your objective, there's a whole other story that pans out that's also very crucial. And as an added bonus for listeners of this podcast... If you buy anything after following the link in the show notes, a small portion of your purchase is going to be given to the show. This helps support the kind of content you're listening to right now, helps offset some of our hosting costs. So if you were looking for a new game or to get a classic that won't run off the discs anymore because it just doesn't run on modern systems, go to the Humble Store using the links in the show notes and get something for your donation. Now, while this game itself is clearly inspired by Sonic as a fast animal character, it's not out of place for Epic. Now, a lot of their early games were pixel-based side-scrolling shooters. They loved less linear paths. They, they loved making you explore the whole level to find what you needed to do and find the right way out of the level. And you know what? With the recent history, Epic might be known more for Gears of War before Fortnite, but this is very much in their style. And I would argue even Gears of War fits with that overall exaggerated aesthetic, the only difference being that Gears of War was very much the Rob Leefield belts and muscles upon muscles, cartoony look of masculinity, of manliness, whereas this is just very cartoony. And it's very much like Fortnite. Like, I would argue that Fortnite is more of a return to form for Epic with the brighter cartoony looks to it. This is very much a game that Cliffy B was a big part of. He was a part of Gears of War. He was there on the early days of Fortnite before it became a Battle Royale game. So this shows kind of the path of Epic in a positive way. Something else that was really interesting is a second game was released with your sidekick Spaz, Jackrabbit, but there was also a third game that was never fully released, but you can get a demo of it. The demo is available online. I'm going to be linking to it in the show notes. And it was a full 3D game. It was very much akin to what you would see on the PlayStation with Spyro the Dragon or N64 with Banjo-Kazooie and or Mario 64. It was that kind of game that they were evolving into, which Unfortunately, it didn't come out, but I'm really curious to see how it would have worked as a whole. Now, this game does have a level of influence that kind of gets underrated at times, but up until this point, the platformers on PC were a little more slower-paced, a little more methodical in their movements around the levels. But with this game, with its speed, with its flow, with the way it just allowed you to keep moving and transition and have that momentum through the level, it showed that platformers like that weren't just for consoles. It may not have been the first platformer for PC, but it was the breakout that many people remember today. I had people, when I first started the show, mention, like, you have to do Jazz Jackrabbit. You have to do Jazz. I'm like, don't worry. I have it in the hopper at some point to get done. No pun intended. And you know what? That shows that the legacy of this for platformers on PC shows because you've been seeing recent launches on PC of the Mega Man Legacy collections, Mega Man and Mega Man X, the Disney Afternoon collection with DuckTales and Rescue Rangers and Darkwing Duck. And it, I believe all of those owe to this game, to being on PC, to the developers looking at it and going, yeah, that's a market that we're putting out these legacy collections. Now, as for the manual, let's keep in mind this was a shareware game, and therefore didn't have a lot of focus on packaging. It wasn't something to be sold on the store shelves, so you didn't get a physical manual with it. But there is a readme text file. These are very underrated files, and when done right, can be just as good as a manual. And this this is where you get the story for the game. This gives the story for context. Gives you the context for each level and each world that you're traveling to throughout the course of this. And you know what? It also gives you the details on your power-ups, on your weapons, on the characters you're going to be dealing with as you go along. And the one thing I love that it does, the one bit of personality and character that it has that helps it stand out, is it gives character stats for the entire core developer team. So every character, every developer is given height, weight, favorite food, weakness, things like that, that in the same way that they were giving them for the different turtle enemies or the different flying enemies and all that, and for Jazz and everybody. And it just makes it feel more personal. It makes it feel like it's part of the world, and it shows that they were having fun when they were writing up these files. Now, I am absolutely going to recommend this game. The core collection, Jazz 1, Jazz 2, with, I believe, the Christmas levels as well, are out on GOG for a decent price right now. I will link in the show notes. It's such a great piece of platforming history. It, as I said, was one of the few famous platformers on pc and i think anybody should give it a shot it's an absolutely fun game it's fun to just kind of hop in play around and it does have a save feature so you can actually come back to the game later you don't have to finish it all in one run like most console games were at the time and so that's it for jazz jackrabbit thanks for joining this episode if you want to reach out you can do that on twitter at roadmap podcast come by the website roadmappodcast.com We have a Facebook page. We have a Discord channel. You can come chat with me on any of those. Feel free while you're there to suggest some older games that I should play on the show. Share some of your favorite memories, some of your favorite Jazz Jackrabbit memories, or the cousin that you got the disc from that let you play this growing up. Or just ask some questions. I'm always happy to answer any type of questions. Technical, personal, whatever, what have you. While you're at it, don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Really, wherever you're getting your podcast from, if you have Spotify, we're on there as well. If you're listening to this right now from a friend, get them to take your phone from you, subscribe to the show right now, make sure you come back for future episodes and listen. For example, the next episode, where we'll be looking at the history of first-person shooter genre as opposed to a definition of the genre, more a look at the past of it in a broad sense. It'll be a chance to look at the roots of the genre, also the evolution in the styles and some of the key titles that have come and gone over the years. All of this is actually a lead-up to looking at the big three of classic shooters, of classic first-person shooters, and that's going to be Wolfenstein 3D, Doom, and Duke Duke of 3D, all of which in the past few years have seen a huge resurgence, one of which not so glamorously. So come back then, and thanks for listening.